Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 26th of June. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. Almost six months of the year are gone. Yeah. It goes so, so quickly. I'm pretty sure it is week 26 of the year, so we're smack bang halfway. Very possible, very possible. And of course, uh, first of all, thanks to Solar Breakfast for another interesting program. And uh, I think it was called Bridal uh, Music or something like that by Bono. <laughs> so it was quite a uh, nice uh, piece of music. I'm not too sure how I would describe it, but it was very nice. So thanks for that. And of course, uh, today is the uh, week after Radiothon. And uh, we had great responses, um, Giselle, but we have actually haven't... Um, we haven't reached our target ourselves and 3CR hasn't reached the target. That's right. We we are just over halfway, though, for um, Asia Pacific Current's show target. But you're right, Pierre, it's not just about our show. It is about keeping community-powered radio on air. So please donate. You can ring us um, anytime, 94198377. But actually, now that Radiothon, that dedicated two weeks for asking for donations is over, it's probably better for you to go to our website, all the w's.3cr.org.au, and donate that way. Give to any of the shows. Um, Just keep, keep our radical voices on air. That's right, that's right. And of course, uh, Asia Pacific Currency is uh, brought you every Saturday and it, as a program has been going for well over 30 years uh, uh, by Australia Asia Worker Links. <laughs> is that my cue that, to that give out the cue, details? That was the finger. See the finger. <laughs> uh, if you do want to get in touch with Australia Asia Worker Links, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We are on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. We continue to post news, current affairs about the labour movement across the Asia Pacific. And, of course, Pierre, in the second part of the show... We'll be speaking with Aaron Melgarvenam from the Tamil Refugee Council. Uh, we haven't really covered in detail the plight of the Billawilla family. Um, we're going to do that today because you'll probably have followed quite significant developments. We're going to try to find out what this bridging visa is, what it means for the campaign um, and, and where to from here. That's right. Uh, it'll be that's, so that's in the second half of the program. But we'll go straight into the, our uh, Labor News update. And um, for the first story uh, today, there's actually a, a bit of a victory. So um, it's always nice to start with a bit of a victory. We go to Malaysia, where Malaysia is another regional country that relies heavily on a workforce of millions of migrant workers who are systematically un- underpaid, work in some of the most dangerous industries and have insecure work contracts. Now, earlier this month, the Malaysian Industrial Court ruled in favour of scores of migrant workers in a labour dispute against American tyre manufacturer Goodyear Tyre and Rubber Company. The workers had alleged that Goodyear, one of the world's largest tyre makers, did not pay them shift allowances, annual bonuses and pay increases, even though these benefits were available to the local staff, i.e. the Malaysian 
um, workers. A total of 184 migrant workers are now, so they were actually one day the case, and a total of 184 migrant workers are now expected to receive a total payout of around 1 million US dollars. Amazing. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, now, very quickly, I think that's about um, $5,000 each. Um, and now the workers have now stated that they will file for further damages, while labour activists believe that this ruling will help many, will help many other migrant workers in uh, Malaysia. We're going to move now to Cambodia, where casino uh, workers are fighting against union busting. Around 3,000 workers at the Naga World Hotel and Casino Complex in Phnom Penh won a major victory in January of last year when not only did they gain wage increases of up to 30%, some better, they also won some better conditions, but they also won the reinstatement of their union president, Shim Sitar. In April of this year, the Naga World Management announced that it was going to lay off around 15% of its 8,000 strong staff due to the impact of COVID-19. When the names of the approximately 1,300 workers to be laid off came out, these included all of the leaders and organisers of the Labor Rights-supported union of Khmer employees of Naga World. The workers saw that as another round, another ongoing battle against the company as it tried to de-unionise and disempower its workforce. The union is organising a campaign to fight against these dismissals. It, it's funny how often in these uh, disputes, uh, just by coincidence, it's always all the um, organisers that get um, dismissed. Absolutely. Well, the next one we go to Thailand, where it's a very similar case. Um, I mean, a worsening COVID-19 surge. The Yacha Yoda uh, Alloy Wheel Company continues to pursue a policy of union busting. Earlier this, uh, um, in June of uh, last year, the Yacha Yoda Company dismissed 32 union members affiliated to the Confederation of Industrial Labour of Thailand. They were dismissed following their refusal to apply for government benefits due to repeated shutdowns of the company. Many of the workers complained that the benefits did not cover the basic needs. In addition, the company in September of last year terminated the employment of another five union leaders accusing the union of instructing its members to contaminate wool products in a furnace without providing evidence. Any evidence? Uh, this is an ongoing uh, case. Um, there's been a um, <clears throat> an upsurge in the um, in the um, um, activity by these workers, and and now there is an international campaign calling for the reinstatement of all 37 sector labour organisers. And in Hong Kong, journalists are reeling under constant attacks. The closure this Wednesday of one of Hong Kong's biggest newspapers, the Apple Daily, has not only meant that hundreds of journalists have lost their job, but that a climate of fear is being created in the city. This closure was a direct result of the continued pressure it faced from authorities using the newly enacted national security law. This development came just days after the Hong Kong Journalists Association released a survey that showed that a large majority of journalists were now in fear of being targeted by the new law due to its unclear definitions of the crimes of secession, subversion, terrorism and foreign intervention. 
The Hong Kong Journalists Association, along with seven other media unions and organisations, will mark June 24 as a day of mourning by wearing black clothes for the day. I mean, it's look, I'm just going to use some relaxed language, Pierre. It's a bit of a shit show in Hong Kong. I mean, there is just some complicated politics of, you know, some anti-communists who are arguing for democracy, and then there is just some fierce repression by people who say that they're communists and it's, you know, in terms of what the workers' position should be in Hong Kong and how to fight for it and how to build the organisations that will be able to carry forward those demands, it is just, uh, you know, you're starting from a negative position. Uh, That's right, that's right. And also, but we're also, what we are seeing is um, all around the the region is more and more of these um, anti, well, these security laws that are framed in such a wide uh, legal framework that it becomes almost impossible to fight them or actually not to be caught um, by them. So we now come to Australia, where Australia's farm sector has been notoriously a toxic place for thousands of workers with underpayments and torrid work hours in the last few years. A report uh, released this week by the Migrant Workers' Centre and and Unions New South Wales found that the majority of farm managers are engaging in rampant wage theft and outright abuse. The study showed that nearly 80% of uh, workers surveyed had been underpaid, with some piece rate workers averaging just $9 Australian dollars per day. Um, This report comes uh, a couple of weeks after the announcement by the Australian government of the creation of a specific new short-term visa for the agricultural sector for people from the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Labor activists are warning that um, this um, new legislation will lead to an even greater level of exploitative labor practices as well as more death and, and injuries in this sector. And our last story is in Thailand. Protesters mark the 1932 revolution. Despite an increasing spread of COVID-19 infections and a raft of anti-protest laws, hundreds of anti-military and anti-monarchy protesters rallied to commemorate the revolution of 1932. This revolution brought to an end to the, the country's absolute monarchy and ushered in constitutional rule. The protesters took up the demands of the last two years with three main demands, constitutional reform, the removal of 250 military appointees from the Thai parliament, the resignation of Prime Minister Prayut Chan-ocha. In a separate case, lawyers have confirmed that Pari Chiwarak, one of the leaders of the protest movement, is now facing 20 different counts under Les Majestés. Human rights activists believe that at least 100 people are now facing Les Majestés charges since November 2020, eight of whom are less than 18 years old. Very much another law that basically um, uh, encompasses... Well, it's designed to, to criminalise dissent. That's right, that's right. So um, it's just on, um, I'm just looking at the clock here, 12 past and 9 o'clock. That was the uh, end of the news roundup from the region. So um, we'll, be, we'll bring more information next week. And so we'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with Aran to talk about the Tamil family who are now... On on Bridge and Visa uh, in Perth and what it all means. Hi gardeners, get ready to turn on and tune in to the Gardening Show's annual Radiothon. 
It all takes place on Sunday the 27th of June from 7.30 to 10am when you can help keep your favourite gardening show growing. Listen in and call the station on 03-9419-8377 for great deals on gardening products, nursery vouchers, magazine subscriptions, green focus book titles and much more. Or make a tax-deductible donation to support 3CR Community Radio. Dig deep for the 2021 3CR Gardening Show Radiothon, 7.30 to 10am on Sunday 27th of June. Kutcher Edwards. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series, where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates in Victorian prisons. We started in 2002, and this year marks 20 years on the air. Be sure to tune in at 11am each morning from Monday July the 5th to Friday July the 9th for Beyond the Bars 2021 broadcast. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Thoughts within, visions I see, daring to dream, my destiny. It's just on 14 past 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Link on your favourite community radio station. And uh, we seem to be having a bit of uh, trouble to contact our our feature interview for this morning. So um, to talk about the Tamil family, about uh, Saranika, Kopika, Nadas and Priya, the family who are in Perth in um, in um, bridging visas now and um, and of course it's been uh, a, a huge um, um, issue for the last three and a half years here in Australia but um, we'll go to another community announcement and then we'll be back very soon with that interview three CR always bringing you the latest union news they're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. It's 15 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents with Giselle and Pierre. Joining us this morning is Aaron Milvaganam from the Tamil Refugee Council to talk about the developments in the case of the Billawilla family uh, and their community detention in Western Australia. Welcome to the program, Aaron. 
Oh, thank you for having me, Giselle. Um, I think most of our listeners and, and probably the broader uh, 3CR community will have been following this issue. So we don't necessarily need to rehash the um, medical uh, evacuation from Christmas Island and the community detention in, in Western Australia. But we do know that they've recently been issued with um, a bridging visa. Uh, do, you, do you want to talk a little bit about where things are at now? And what that means for the campaign. Yeah, so the minister announced this week uh, that uh, the family would be granted a three-month bridging visa, but that's only for three members of the family. Tarunika, the the youngest child, is still in community detention, which means the rest of the family is in community detention. Uh, The application for a bridging visa for Tarunika was um, uh, was, uh, denied. Um, and, um, and and so, you know, the family continues to be in community uh, detention because of Tarunika's conditions, and, and they're still unable to get to uh, Villa Villa. Um, and also, this three-month bridging visa, a lot of people in the community get uh, similar type of visas. Um, with the three-month visa, it's very difficult to go and get a job, even though you have work rights. Uh, and, and you wouldn't be entitled to any central link benefits either. Um, and if, even if employees give you a, a job, after three months, if the government takes a long time to grant you another bridging visa, uh, you have to give up your job and, and have to look for another job uh, once you have another bridging visa. Uh, so, you know, the families. Uh, Families, um, you know, still facing uncertainty uh, and that threat of deportation hasn't gone away. Uh, Minister is still determined to send this family back to Sri Lanka um, when they exhaust all the options uh, in the the courts. I've noticed that the campaign has uh, shifted the conversation now to actually discuss the... um, dangers of Tamils being returned to Sri Lanka. What can you what can you say about that? Well, the situation in Sri Lanka is bad for Tamils. Uh, and and Puriya nowadays, uh, it, it, you know, they face uh, danger as well if they get deported uh, back to Sri Lanka. And, and we're hoping the attention that this family has received helps us uh, you know, helps us uh, uh, raise awareness about the dangers Tamils uh, face uh, in Sri Lanka. Uh, recently, a UK tribunal found that uh, uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade report uh, that is used to assess Tamil asylum claims uh, is, a, is a flawed report. It doesn't recognise the fact that torture is still practised by uh, the Sri Lankan uh, state. Uh, and um, uh, and it basically said that uh, this report shouldn't be used to uh, assess uh, Tamil asylum claims. Australian government, you know, continue to use this uh, report. This is the report that has denied Puriyanade's protection visa, and and, and continue to deny uh, other Tamils' uh, protection uh, visas as well. Uh, we want the the Australian government to recognise. Uh, the current human rights situation in Sri Lanka, and that is uh, the Rajapaksas who were responsible for mass murders in 2009 are back in power, 
and, and they're terrorizing people in the north and east. Uh, there is a military occupation uh, in, the, in the Tamil homeland. For every six Tamil, there is an army member present. Just two weeks ago, we had uh, a young Tamil boy murdered uh, by uh, police uh, in custody. Um, and and you know, land grabbing is continuing. The, the military is involved in uh, civilian affairs. They are even running primary schools uh, in, in the north. Um, you know, the, the life is uh, quite, um, um, quite scary for Tamils uh, in, in, in the nor- northern east, and, uh, and we want the Australian government to recognise it. Uh, so far, over the last uh, 10, 12 years, under Labour and Liberals, uh, Australian governments have uh, um, have uh, appeased the, the Sri Lankan uh, uh, rulers down there uh, by, you know, giving financial aid, uh, donating navy ships, and, and and recently Scott Morrison donated drones to stop Tamils from fleeing that uh, island. Um, uh, you know, rather than aiding genocidal regimes down there, uh, we want the Australian government to recognise the, the reality for Tamils in Sri Lanka. Well, um, hi, Aaron, this is Pierre. You've, you've really described it quite well, the hellhole that um, northern and east uh, Sri Lanka is. I just want to um, bring it back to here, to the, the family, the Biloela family here. And you mentioned at the start about the Tharunika has not been given a, a bridging visa by the rest of the family, and so she's still in community detention. I can only guess that is a planned, um, thought-out strategy to sort of say, oh, well, the family has got it, but one hasn't, so they'll, they'll have to remain attached to community detention. I, I presume that's the reason that that has happened. Um, look, it's, we can only assume uh, what what they what they're trying to do it's, uh, we you know i can't say anything with certainty the legal team is looking at getting a bridging for Taronika, uh and there are uh, there are lots of work uh, going on behind the the scene um i'm hoping that in the next uh, week or two this family will get the visa uh, uh and and go back to Villa Villa and, and continue with the fight. One thing is very clear. The government is not going to issue permanent residency to this family unless they feel the pressure. And, and they, they, you know, everything that they have done so far is because of the public pressure, but it hasn't been enough uh, to, uh, to force the government to grant permanent residency to this family. Um, uh, you know, whatever the outcome is in the next uh, week or two, I doubt it'll be uh, an outcome that we're looking for, but hopefully uh, it'll be some sort of a temporary uh, relief. I I think that assessment is, I, I, I share that assessment with you, Aaron, that um, everything that has been won or gained in this case has been because of the community pressure. I did, from my point of view, and I'm curious about your thoughts about this, I felt that it was actually quite a successful manoeuvre on behalf of the government to issue the um, 
bridging visas and the um, evacuation to the to mainland Australia, although it was Perth, because if from what I could tell, it took the wind out of the campaign that it actually deflated some of the community pressure. How do you build from here to keep the momentum going? Uh, so that the family can actually be returned to Billawilla, where the community wants them, um, and and where where they belong. Yeah, so you know you're right uh, that uh, the the government's uh, move to uh, you know government's decision to move this family uh, from Christmas Island to Perth was on the back of uh, public pressure. It it was never about uh, caring about this little child. Uh, over the last three years, we've been telling uh, politicians uh, that, uh, you know, detention life is hurting these children. And and there were many medical reports which confirmed that. Uh, but despite, uh, you know, such knowledge, politicians continue to keep uh, this family and, and, the, and, the, and the children uh, in detention. And the only reason they moved them is to... Uh, is to weaken uh, the the support this family has, you know, or make the the public attention go away. And uh, any decision that uh, you know they're going to make uh, regarding this family, it is going to be on the back of uh, public uh, pressure. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not sure about how we go uh, from uh, here. Um, uh, the campaign. You know, the way I see it, the campaign has been quite successful in uh, in, in stopping this family uh, uh, facing deportation. Like, it will be very difficult for the government to remove this family now. Um, there will be so much outrage in the in the community. Uh, it's a matter of how we bring a permanent solution to this family now, but also what do we do with the attention this family has uh, managed to generate? You know, there are hundreds of other refugees in similar situations, hundreds of refugee families in similar situations, you know, who have exhausted all the options. How do we turn this into a win for everyone? Uh, we, we, you know, we have started the conversation about how Australia's refugee policies are hurting people. Um, that conversation needs to continue in a way that it leads to Australian government, um, uh, you know, abandoning uh, its stop the boards policy. Uh, it leads to Australian government shutting down all the the detention centres. You know, we can't just this this uh, campaign. Um, when Tamil Refugee Council started it, it was never about this one family. It was always about uh, everyone else. It's not about this exceptional uh, circumstance. It's uh, you know it's how Australia's refugee policy is destroying uh, so many other people's uh, lives, and um, and and it, it was always about ending that. Yeah, it, absolutely, Aaron, and thank you so much for um, sh- shifting the the gaze. Just in the last minute before uh, we have to end the show, there is an action coming up in July. Let's just get those details out so people can attend. On 10th of July, we have a National Day of Action uh, across all the major capital cities, uh, and we are calling on the Australian government to recognise that Sri Lanka is not safe for Tamils and uh, and not deport any Tamils back to Sri Lanka. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks for your time on the show. 
Thanks. Thanks for having me. That was Aaron Melvaganam of the Tamil Refugee Council. Those details again are July 10, a demonstration. Sorry, Pierre, I missed the time. One o'clock at the State Library? I don't think he actually said it because it's actually a National Day of Action. Uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for the details of the Melbourne rally, but we uh, we want to get this family to Billawilla and we want to end offshore detention and get refugees safely housed in Australia. That's right. And as uh, Aaron said, there's, uh, there's hundreds, if not, well, probably there's thousands of families and individuals who are in the same position. And so we've got to fight for all of them and against uh, the repression of the Australian government. But... Um, we're really at the end of another action and information-packed uh, program, Giselle. So um, that'll be all from me, Piamoro. And me, Giselle Hannah. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. And, of course, we'll be back uh, next Saturday at 9 o'clock. And don't forget, if you haven't donated to 3CR, uh, you can still donate. Just go to our website. But um, have a great um, weekend and speak to you next um, next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.